Uh, let me tell you about a fellow named Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw is a radio DJ in England and he's sort of famous for being a bit of a shock jock over there. I guess he's our equivalent of Kyle Sandlin's. And Tim Shaw uh, is particularly famous for, on his show, regularly having secret recordings and phone calls where he deliberately embarrasses his family or friends. Or Anyway, one particular radio show, Tim Shaw was interviewing a model who he clearly found attractive because he declared live on air that he would gladly leave his wife and two young children for her. Tim Shaw's wife, Haley, uh, happened to be listening to that show that day and when she heard her husband say that, she immediately jumped online and posted his $50,000 sports car on eBay, (laughs) asking price... $1. The car sold within five minutes. Haley said it had been the last straw. I'm sick of him disregarding me and this family for the sake of his act. The car is his pride and joy, but the idiot put my name on the logbook, so I just sold it. I don't care about the money. I just wanted to get him back. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a very big part of me that thinks, yes, Good on you, Haley girl. Because there's a very big part of all of us that loves it when jerks like that get their canuppance. We actually live in a society that almost champions that sort of thinking. Some of our most popular TV shows, some of our most popular movies are basically about people taking personal revenge. And we watch the movies and we cheer them on as they hunt down all their enemies systematically one by one. But should we think like that? The very first verse that we heard in that Bible reading, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends. Today's Bible passage is a bit like last week's because it's telling us to do something that does not come very easily at times. It's telling us to not repay evil with evil. It's telling us that when someone pushes us, not to push back. Instead, when you are one of God's people, we show love and we show it to everyone. Which is a broadening out of last week. Last week, the part part of the Bible that we looked at was particularly telling us how we should treat one another, how Christians should treat other Christians. But this passage is actually now telling us how to treat everyone, how to treat everybody. It's, it's all about how, no matter who it is in our week that we're dealing with, if we are one of God's people, then we don't repay evil, we show love. Now, it's the not repaying evil that takes first attention. Let me reread verse 17 again. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge. Now, if you haven't already noticed, it's actually very easy to accidentally rub people the wrong way and make enemies in this world. You you might get a promotion at work or you might do well at school and someone else gets jealous of you. You might say, say something to someone who 
mishears what you're saying and takes it the wrong way. You might play a practical joke on someone who takes it the wrong way and takes it way too seriously. You might invite one person to a party and not another one and so suddenly that person's a bit hurt and upset. You might tell someone a piece of information before you tell someone else and that person thinks. It's actually amazing the number of ways that we can upset one another and sometimes it can fester and it can brood and it can turn into... I actually don't know too many families, I don't know too many families where there's not some sort of tension, some sort of argument, some sort of feud that's sometimes for years. And this passage is saying that when that happens, we don't repay evil for evil. If someone's got it in for us, we don't have it in for them. If someone says something nasty to us, we don't say something nasty to them and we don't say something nasty about them to other people. Mind you, verse 18 is very realistic. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace. See, sometimes, no matter what we do, the other person will want to keep things going on. But this is saying, that even if we're not successful, we just got to keep hanging in there and we certainly, if we're one of God's people, we don't take revenge. Because, verse 19 tells us, it's God's place to avenge. It's not up to us to cut someone else down to size. It's not up to us to give someone a taste of their own medicine. That's God's department. If your enemy is hungry, verse 20, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Don't, overcome, don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. Now, that bit about burning, heaping burning holes on his head, that sounds like it'd be painful, but the verse isn't telling us to be nice to people, nice to be our en- It's not telling us to be nice to our enemies so as to hurt them. It's not sort of saying, you know, be ni- keep being nice to them because it's going to really irritate them and get under their skin, nor is it saying keep being nice to them because it'll heap judgment on them. It's actually saying keep being nice so as to hopefully get them to change their way of thinking. Like if you get something fall on your head, it sometimes gives you a a fright or a shock and you you sort of wonder what's going on. That's the image that's being played on here. That if we just keep being nice, even to people who have got it in for us, if we just keep being nice to them, that hopefully that will surprise them a bit, shock them a bit, get them to wake up, rethink things. And in this way, verse 21, evil will be overcome with good. It's actually calling on us to do exactly what God has done for us, isn't it? I mean, God loved us when we were his enemies. That's what the first bit of Romans has been all about, that God loved us even when we were his enemies. He even sent his son to die for us when we we were his enemies so that by trusting in what God does for us, we could then be saved. Now that we are saved, this is a passage that's asking us to, in fact, just be like God. God has been to us. That even when someone has it in for us, we just keep doing good. We keep speaking graciously. We keep showing hospitality. We keep offering help. That's how evil is overcome. All of which then leads on to this discussion about governing authorities, which can seem a pretty random change in topic. And I guess that's why our Bibles decide that it's a good place for a chapter break and a little subheading. It's actually very connected. See, think about it. Paul has just told us not to take revenge. Even when people are picking on us, don't take revenge, he said. Leave room for God's wrath. It's mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. 
But what if this is a really serious matter? What if someone actually breaks into your house and steals your stuff? What if someone actually physically hurts someone else in your family? Do we still not take some measure of vengeance? Do we, is it, do we just sort of sit around waiting for, for Jesus to come back and God to repay them then? It doesn't sort of sit right. Well, I think that's why Paul now starts to talk about governing authorities because governing authorities are God's appointed servants who he does allow to administer his wrath here and now for the good of society. Chapter 13, verse 1, everyone must submit themselves to the governing authorities for there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And then cut to the chase in verse 4, for they are God's servant to do you good. And if you do wrong, be afraid, for he doesn't bear the sword for nothing, but he is God's servant, an agent of wrath who brings judgment on the wrongdoing, wrongdoer. And you see the thrust here? Governing authorities are established by God to bring God's wrath, his vengeance, on the wrongdoers. It's not something we do ourselves. We are not to be vigilantes. We don't take law into our own hands. We don't seek revenge. That's what the previous passage was all about. But so that society has some controls to it, God has instituted certain authorities and he's given them permission to administer his wrath on evil people. The New South Wales police are God's servants. Premier O'Farrell is God's servant. Prime Minister Abbott is God's servant. Whether you voted for them or not, whether they acknowledge it or not, they are there by God's will and they serve as his agents of vengeance to bring judgment on wrongdoers so as to bring order to this world. And therefore, Paul says in verse 1, submit to them. God's put them there for our good, so do what they say. If the government says pay this amount of tax, then we pay it willingly and without bearing a grudge and without trying to get out of it. And if the law says we drive at 50 k's an hour down that road, then we don't drive anymore whether anyone's watching us or not because God's servant has told us to do that. Now, immediately this raises a whole heap of questions. Uh, what if God's servant tells us to do something that's actually not in, that, that counteracts what's in the Bible? And, and look, there's complexities to that which will be good to talk over in our Bible study groups during the week. But up front, we, I just want you to understand that that's not... Those sort of issues are not the main concern of this passage. This passage is not the A to Z of everything to do with civil authorities. In its context, it's simply making the big point that we don't take justice into our own hands. That's what God has instituted governing authorities for. And therefore, we esteem them and we appreciate them. If you owe taxes, pay it. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. Now, I'm telling you, like so many of the verses that we've been looking at lately, if, you, if we actually did this, we would be different to everyone around us. Because here in Australia, we generally treat our politicians with pretty much utter disrespect. And we treat them with scorn and rudeness. And if you're one of God's people, you're being called on to be better than that. We live in a democracy, we cast our vote, we have our say, but as living sacrifices to God, we always do it in a way that is honouring and respectful to those in authority. We don't personally denigrate or belittle our leaders. But Paul moves on. 
And he returns back to how we should be personally treating everyone, not just the civil authorities, everyone. Because are you getting the train of thought here? We are to be different to the world by not repaying evil for evil. We don't take revenge, okay? We don't take things into our own hands. We leave room for God's wrath. And, by the way, he's instituted civil authorities so that he might administer his wrath in the here and now, but that's not our personal job. Our personal job is to not repay evil, but to show love, which is what he now stresses. Verse 8, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt of love to one another, for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? The continuing debt of love. It's picking up on the wordplay. You know, he's just said, don't repay evil. Well, here's what we do repay. We actually make payments of love. And he calls it a continuing debt of love. In other words, showing love is not something we ever run out of doing. Uh, An obligation to love a person is always there, irrespective of how they are treating you, irrespective of what they have said to you, irrespective of what they have said about you. We always owe people nothing but love. Which is actually upping the ante of what he's just said in the first bit of the passage. Because loving someone is more than simply not repaying evil. Loving someone is, not, is, is much more than simply not doing bad. It's proactively doing good. It's going out of our way to do what we can to help and encourage even those who might be against us, irrespective of our circumstances. Don't know if you remembered earlier this year, but the the news ran a story about a homeless guy in the States who uh, returned an engagement ring worth thousands of dollars to a girl who had accidentally dropped it in the little cup that he'd been using to beg with on the street. Billy Ray Harris was sort of going through his little cup at the end of the day and he found this ring and he realised at once, just looking at it, that this was going to be worth thousands of dollars. But he held on to it for a few days and, as he thought would be the case, this girl came back eventually, frantically she'd been retracing its steps, trying to find a ring to which he immediately gave it back. And this made worldwide news because they couldn't get over how honest this guy had been. And how other person centred this other this homeless bloke had been. Billy Ray said he was simply acting in accordance with how he had been brought up by his Christian grandfather. Because if we hold to a continuing debt of love to everyone, no matter how down and out we might get, no matter who the other person is, no matter how the person has treated us. If we even repay evil with good, we will stand out from the crowd. And in this world, that's what God wants us to do. He wants his people to be living sacrifices who no longer conform to the pattern of this world. And he closes the section by encouraging us to do it by living for the day that Jesus will return. Verse 11. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Last month our daughter Olivia turned 21. 
Liv lives in Sydney and so we went down to Sydney to have a bit of a family celebration with her. Uh, that day we got up really early in the morning uh, before the sun was up while it was still dark so as to get to Sydney in good time. I actually didn't mind getting up early that day. Uh, unlike some mornings, I didn't crawl out of bed that morning. Uh, unlike other mornings, I didn't drag myself around. I, did, I sort of didn't, I, I didn't begrudgingly drive to Sydney, sort of still sitting in my pyjamas. Uh, I was actually eager to be with people that I loved. And I was enthusiastic about the celebration of the day. So I was pleased and very happy to get up early and get dressed for the day because I was anticipating how good it was going to be. Now that's the sort of image that Paul is playing off here as he closes the section out. We're living in a dark world, but the day of Jesus' Christ's return is almost here. You can almost see the glow of the morning in the sky. And so we ought to be, as God's people, enthusiastic about getting up and preparing for that day. We're to be enthusiastic about loving our neighbours and not repaying evil for evil in this darkened world because we are preparing and we are living for and we are anticipating how good the day will be when Jesus will return. And that's actually a really lovely way to finish this section because this section, the last couple of weeks, it's actually told us heaps of stuff to do, hasn't it? Chapters 12 and 13, we've read about 30 different commands Lots of stuff he's been telling us to do. And he's added to it today by the ideas of not repaying evil for evil and showing love to everyone and submitting to our governments. Uh, Covered lots of things to do. But please do not misunderstand these chapters. These chapters are not just a list of rules to keep. This is just not a moral list. Nor are these just a list of things we have to do in order to be saved when the last day of Jesus' return arrives. These are things to do because we have been saved already and we wait in anticipation for Jesus to return. See, back to Lives 21st, and it wasn't a burden for me to get ready for that day. It never crossed my mind to sleep in for that day. It never crossed my mind to sort of just hop in the car in my, uh, in my dressing gown without having a shave and just begrudgingly that's that's a ridiculous idea because I'm her dad and I loved living for that day and friends for those of us who are in Christ and who have been saved by God through his mercy to us through Jesus' death on the cross we love living for the day when Jesus will return it's not a burden to love our neighbours it doesn't cross our mind to repay evil for evil It would be a ridiculous thought to do that because we're in Christ and the night's nearly over and the day's almost here. I'll pray. Father God, help us to do these verses. Uh, Help us to do the things that you're encouraging us to do in this passage. Father, thank you that you have saved us even while we were your enemies that through Jesus' death on the cross on our behalf, you've pardoned us of all the things we've ever done wrong. And Father, in response to that, help us to be like you and to love even those who treat us wrongly and help us to do it enthusiastically as we wait for the day of your son's return. 
Amen.